You've played the missions, but do you really know the lore? We are here to be your guides. Your guardians. This is Guardians of Lore. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, Guardians. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 160, recorded December 12th, 2022. The topic for this episode is the hierarchy of needs. I'm going to be your host this time. I am Elemist. Hey, I'm working. It kind of feels weird to be doing this. <laughs> Why does this feel weird? Because it's been so hit or miss the last month or two. I know. We're doing this two weeks in a row. What is this? Right. I know. And it's the middle of December when we usually take like an entire fucking month off. And here we are recording two episodes in a row. What? It's it's pandemonium. Cats and dogs getting together, living in harmony. Like my cats and dog living together in harmony. So <laughs> Imagine. We encourage feedback that can be sent to us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore, at heyitsorchid, or at I underscore am underscore elemist. You can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can reach out to us on Instagram at guardians of lore, all one word. Guardians of Flore. I was trying to be nice since it was the first one back. No. Uh <laughs> You could also leave us a five-star review wherever you find the podcast. But also, you know, spread the podcast around by telling your friends. You could jump into our Discord. The invite is down in the episode description. But if you want to type it out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Finger guns. Oh, you did it. That's so great. I know. I'm so proud of you. It was actually habit at this point. I was like, thank you, finger. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I've trained you so well. Oh, God. I'm like a chihuahua. Um, (sighs) All bark, no bite. Uh, You can find our info on thelordnetwork.com alongside many impressive lore content creators. We're still there. I'm so disappointed. (laughs) It's like we try every week to not be there. I know, but yet we're still there. Yeah. No, that sounds so disappointed. So, this week at Guardians of Lore, the Twoggle. Hey! We had something drop Friday. I know! Spire of the Watcher came out! New dungeon! Who dis? So, my initial thoughts. Yes. You know, it was fun, but oh my god, the bosses are beefy. Yeah, they are. Um, Very scary. Like, I, I'm i still trying to get a full clear. I jumped in solo because I didn't really have any friends on when I, I started this. And I'm currently on vacation. Like, as of recording, I'm, I'm on vacation. Yeah! <laughs> when this actually releases, I will not be. But anyway, um, womp womp. I jumped in. I jumped in solo. I was able to get all the way to the first boss, and I figured out what to do. I was just doing so little DPS that 
it was going to take so long and I didn't want to sit there for it. So I jumped in with another friend. We ended up getting all the way to the final boss. We both together were doing so little damage that we just, we called it. As far as the aesthetic, it's all right for me. I'm not big on Westerns, but the aesthetic of the dungeon is far enough away from a Western that I'm I'm good with it because the majority of it doesn't actually feel like it to me. It doesn't feel too much like a Western. The rewards do. And that's a, a lot of, you know, text Mechanica stuff. The dungeon itself, to me, it doesn't. Except for that first encounter, like opening up the dungeon. What are your thoughts, Orchid? So here are my thoughts. It's very Western. <laughs> Not my favorite. I do appreciate that a lot of the action is outdoors to begin with. Um, so the contrast isn't that heavy, which means I can do a lot of it and not have like any visual problems whatsoever. And I know that it's a lot to harp on that there are visual aspects, but because I'm so limited by like what I can see um, in Destiny these days with how affected I am by the visual aspects of the game, that um, I do appreciate uh, how much of the game or how much of the parts of it are outside. I can do a lot of the dungeon, like no problem. So I really appreciate that, that it's outside. And I do like the little, um, what's it called? The little, the little guy that like rolls across the front. Tumbleweed. Um, the, the little tumbleweed guy, he's like, and like, I love that. I think that's very funny. Which can apparently kill you. It can totally take you out. It can just gank you. Like, <laughs> it's very funny. Like, do not get near it if you're by yourself. Like, I saw a video of somebody dying to it. So I, like, when I first stumbled upon it, I was like, oh, I'm staying the fuck away from that thing. Yeah, it can totally just kill you like do not get near it um it's very funny though little tumbleweed guy the mechanics are just it's like oh it's like cable organization the game cable management the game yeah it really is cable management the game it's you like go kill a guy and stand in his spot and you get a buff and then go manage some cables. And that's how you proceed to the next part. And I'm like, okay, this is great. Um, it's a new mechanic. It's once you figure it out, like it's not bad. It took me a little bit to figure out that you had to go to not the center part to start it, but you had to like follow the cables all the way back to the, like the beginning of like where the cable started and then come back to the center. So that took me a little bit. Well, and, and it, it depends on the specific encounter because right in the, you know, opening the dungeon, it doesn't start in mid, but in the next encounter, it does start in mid. Yeah. Yeah. So it does depend on the encounter, but it's the bosses really are like very beefy. And I think it's just because I, I'm still under light level. Or the last boss, because last boss is what fifteen ninety. Yes. Um, as of recording, I'm currently fifteen eighty five, fifteen eighty four, fifteen eighty five. And see, that should have pushed you into the next threshold. 
Um, cause I'm, I'm right about there too. Mm-hmm. And, but the thresholds are, you know, at the, the five light levels below mm-hmm. and five light levels above. Um, right. But still, like, it's, it's, it's pretty beefy. I'm hoping that it, it's different once we actually get more light or more power. Yeah. I do like the aesthetics uh, of the in- of the interior as well. We did have the jumping puzzle was a, was kind of akin to Deepstone Crypts. If you didn't know the music, um, me a symphony player, having played a lot of Tchaikovsky in my time as a violinist, um, noticed uh, Symphony Number no. Six. The patet- the pathetic pathetic I cannot pronounce French to save my life, <laughs> even though I have an AA in French, cannot pronounce it. Um, it is Tchaikovsky's last symphony um, that he wrote. It's the final part of his last symphony. Is that's what's repeating during the jumping puzzle. So if you didn't know that, that's what it is. If you were curious. Well, so like I, I wonder what the actual significance of of that piece playing is. They've had a lot of Tchaikovsky in the past with Rasputin, like several times. We've had other Tchaikovsky pieces. He likes, and when I say he, I mean like Rasputin, um, likes Russian composers, but they're also like Russian romantic composers. And there's something about Tchaikovsky. When you play it, it's very emotional. It's very moving, especially like the final part of the sixth symphony and i think anna bray has put so much of herself like into rasputin that rasputin kind of like holds on to this music and i don't know as a musician like it really is like i get it like as a musician like why you would hold on to tchaikovsky and i think other musicians would probably get it also but if you listen to it like I think you would get it. Just just go listen to it. I mean, jumping into that, like, it could be that the reason Rasputin holds on to those specific composers is because those might have been the first ones that Anna shared with him. Yeah. E- even though he's an AI, like, he still has that sentimental attachment. Mm-hmm. Also, like, Tchaikovsky is one of the greatest composers that has ever lived, honestly. And that is, Tchaikovsky's number six is one of the greatest things that Tchaikovsky ever wrote. Like, that final piece, like, just has that, like, emotional buildup in it and is just, like, such a strong piece of music. And it's it's very Rasputin. I get it. I get why Rasputin would want to listen to it. And that submind that you're jumping through. So, I mean, if there's anything that a submind is listening to, like having that submind listen to Tchaikovsky gives you that flicker of hope that Rasputin is still alive somewhere. We had subminds um, like listening, like in their music boxes, listening to all of this kind of music. So it's nice to have it still. Yeah, definitely. like that was probably my favorite part. My favorite not part was having it be dark and flashy in the very end. It was very miserable finishing it. I did finish it. I got a clear. I got some armor. I did not get the cool hat. 
the hats are very cool. I definitely want the cowboy hat. I don't know how many more times I'm going to be doing this because like it's very miserable doing the boss fight with how like kind of dark and flashy it is in the end. Well, and, and I mean, if you don't have the right team together, like yeah, doing the last encounter just makes it go on for so long. It really does. I was lucky that Coyote and Ozzy were, um, Coyote like definitely carried us. <laughs> like Coyote's such a, he's such a champion. <laughs> I don't know how we would have done it without him. But yeah, I, I ended up getting one of the weapons. I got Terminus Horizon, which is the heavy arc machine gun. There are three other weapons from Spire. There's Wilder Flight, which is a grenade launcher, and it's a special grenade launcher. There's Liminal Vigil, which is the primary stasis sidearm. And then the one that everyone is talking about, which is Long Arm, which is the primary arc scout rifle. And it's just DMT, but it's legendary, which is great. That's that's the one I'm I'm looking forward to trying. Yeah, apparently if you get it with hip fire grip, it's just DMT. <laughs> Everybody wants it. Like, apparently it's just super great. Also, the little sights, if you have them up, have like little horns on it. The sights are so cute. Well, and, and that's carried over from uh, Chaperone. Yeah, exactly. I love it. It's so cute. It's so cute. I, I love the fact that it's it's... Like, you can look down the sights and tell that it's Tex Mechanica. Yes. Yeah. It's great. They put so much personality of their foundry into the, the weapon itself, and, and which includes the sights. Yeah. Like, it's, it's awesome. It is. Also, did you see um, when you're running towards the end, some of the parts of this dungeon have hardwood floors? That is mahogany! Did you see that? So I I did see some hardwood paneling on some of the walls. I didn't see hardwood floors themselves though. Yeah, no, there's hardwood floors where there are windows and you can kind of see out and you're running through. I think it's after the jumping puzzle. There's actually hardwood floors with sand kind of covering it. And only me, only I'm going to be the one who's going to notice fucking hardwood floors like in a dungeon. So... <laughs> Because wood comes from trees. No, because I always notice hardwood floors. It's because they took them out of the helm and I just want fucking hardwood floors. Mm -hmm. Sure, tree circle. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to put my face against the hardwood floors. I'm just like, <gasps> hardwood floors. Want them. Now, thinking of the Spire weapons, there are two other weapons. And these are a little more controversial and I wanted your opinion on them. So the other two weapons are the Seventh Seraph Carbine and the Service Revolver. And they were just re-released with an origin perk. And I think maybe a new pool of perks on them. My question, two of the weapons that are released that we've always been able to get in Dares and from Xur, and I think also from Banshee. And so we've always been able to get them like since they were in the game. And so it's not like they were ever gone. It's not like I think it, I think mainly it's not like the other dungeon, the last one, mm -hmm. how 
Um, the other two weapons that were there, I think it was the fusion rifle and the machine gun that we got from the old dungeon. It was, they were from Menagerie, and so those weapons were actually gone. They were actually sunset, and then they came back. So how do you feel about these weapons being taken out of the Dare's loot pool just this season, specifically to then be slotted into the Spire weapons? Right, like that. That's that's tough because I mean, from my like my thinking, dares and Zer and and possibly Banshee were the only ways that you can get them, and even then, like you had to prey upon RNG upon RNG because you had to pray that they would drop, and you would pray that they dropped with the right perks, and since those weapons weren't specific to the activity or anything they had a lower drop chance so like me look looking back on that fact you know these are some of the rarer weapons that weren't actually sunset but they were so rare to get a hold of that they might as well have been sunset so i'm i'm looking at it from that perspective as well as somebody who actually went out and got all of the the good roles from back then. Going off of the first idea, like, so it's it's a good thing that they added them in. It gives us a guaranteed way of of farming for them, of you know, crafting those specific weapons. Um they they are craftable. And it it gives us a, a way of of it's it's not so much like target farming or farming because you know it, it's you're going against the whole loot pool, but it's a lot more selective than if you were to go wait on Zer or wait for you know Banshee to get it or if you went into Dares. But looking at it from the other perspective of somebody who actually did spend dozens, if not hundreds, of hours grinding it for it. And mind you, these weapons came from Season of the Worthy, which was possibly one of the worst seasons outside of Curse of Osiris. I think for me, I have good I have a good carbine. I have a good service revolver. I really don't care about origin perks. I'm not gonna go after them again. So the carbine I got, I sharded immediately. Because I'm like, oh, this? Goodbye. <laughs> well, so... I'm like, this is garbage. <laughs> Why do I want this? Well, so for, for me, it was more of the fact of... I'm looking at the fact that I can craft it. So I can find the exact role that I had previously, but go for enhanced perks. And I, I haven't actually looked at the origin perks, so I don't know how it compares... Or like how it's going to add or take away from the actual play. Um, I mean, for me, I'm not going to craft stuff unless I really want to because I don't plan on right. running stuff into the ground until I can craft things. You know, right? Like, and and that's fair. I'm, I would much rather cry, craft like an Iclos hand cannon before I'd craft like a surface revolver. And that's fair, in my opinion. Yeah. 
And, and, it's just not something I want to do. And the way I'm looking at it is essentially they're both Warmind related uh, hand cannons for different slots. So, like, I can start looking back at Warmind cell builds if if I decided to. They're not going to be as strong as they used to be. And I think that's part of the issue that I'm having as well is that I remember what they used to be and they're not that anymore. Like they used to be amazing and now they're just good. So I'm, I'm trying to get myself back into like the whole idea of, well, Warmind cells aren't bad. It's just you're comparing what it used to be to what it is now. You know, they had the potential with this season to bring back all of those weapons and buff Warmind builds and, like, make building armor and doing Warmind builds again, like, something really spectacular. And I feel like they really just kind of fell on their face with that. Yeah. Because they've been really emphasizing builds lately. They I mean, last season they gave us that arc build. And they specifically put a whole build together. Yep. Like, if you looked at the armor that they gave us in the helm, that had a build on it. Yep. Like, somebody at Bungie specifically put a build together that was a charged with light build. And it was actually pretty good. And it was a good build. And they thought about it. And someone was like, okay, this is going to be a build for somebody who doesn't know what a build is. And it's armor that is you know, going to be high for whoever is coming back into the game. For people who've been playing, it's going to be at light level. For people who haven't been playing, it's going to be high enough, you know. And it it is good armor. But unfortunately, like, it, it was just such a waste. Like, they could have done so much and then just didn't. It's It sucks. It boils down to the whole like wasted potential. It really is. And, and I mean, we've we've had that discussion before with like Ada. <laughs> Don't even get me started on the on Ada and the forges. <laughs> but, but that's but that's exactly it. Oh my god, it is such wasted potential with her and her like. I'm just going to do fashion now. Like, Ada, shut up. You shit guns. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> we have an entire, like, fleet coming down on us. And you're like, I'm going to do fashion now. Like, shut up and give me guns. We need guns. I don't need to look pretty while killing things. Come on. <laughs> like, I mean, we do, but that's beside the point. We do, but goddamn, like, get your shit together. <laughs> Come on. But but that's the thing. Like there's there's wasted potential God. all over the place. And and that's Get your shit together and give me a Kindle door kid. <laughs> Just... <laughs> God damn it. But there's wasted potential all over the place. And and this is one of those instances. Yeah. The one last thing is that the API has been down all weekend. And so everyone's loadouts everyone has been having to go back to the vaults and been manually loading all of their loadouts like it's Destiny 1 all over again. And it's been bad. It's been bad, 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 bad. How did that feel to you? Well, I mean, Bungie's been bringing Destiny 1 back into Destiny 2. So, like, what's the... 
Oh, God. And so they had to bring the whole year one Destiny 1 experience back. Uh, don't say it like that. God. That's <laughs> mm, true. But he shouldn't say it. From bringing the whole Destiny 1 experience. I'm wearing a Crota shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I mean. Am I wrong? I guess you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I had to inspect on DIM what my loadouts are and then manually fit where all of my mods go because I don't know what my loadouts are. Because <laughs> I'm like, what is my solar loadout? Oh, I see. And then like fit where all of my mods go because I am an idiot. So... <laughs> I had to do that, go to the helm, find where all of my, like, weapons are, fit them. God. Oh my god. It's so annoying. And then, like, make sure I have every weapon I might think I need, put everything else back in my vault, and then join a fire team. Holy shit. This weekend, though. Jesus. Yeah. I have... I haven't even bothered to like fix any of my like what anything looks like or anything like that. Like I look like hell right now. <laughs> Nothing matches because like Dim would fix all of my like looks for me too. So I never bothered. But now everything just looks so bad. <laughs> Nothing matches. You look like one of the Crayola Titans, huh? Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I yeah, I do. I look like a Crayola Titan. I say that having actually had that that cosmetic loadout. That Crayola Titan. Oh my god. Of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> it's a nuisance. But I mean it it's gonna be over with tomorrow. Like Tuesday tomorrow from recording. You mean you hope it's gonna be over tomorrow? Well, because didn't they bring it down specifically for the, the day one raid? Or the day one dungeon? No. They brought it down because it was broken because of the dungeon. They just haven't fixed it yet. Oh. Yeah. It's just still broken. They just haven't fixed it. Well, here's to hoping. So, who knows <laughs> if it's still fixed. It could still be broken by the time this is released. We don't know. Hands up in the air. It could just be our new lives. It's just this is just the way it is now. I don't know. Back in my day, we had third-party apps to deal with our loadouts. Oh my god! Don't talk like that. It makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> None of this going back to the tower to put an icebreaker in the vault, then swapping oh characters, going back to the tower. To pull oh, the icebreaker no. out of the vault. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway, the dawning starts this week. Happy dawning, Alamist. Yeah, happy dawning. Oh, yay. There's a new seal. I'm going to have it. I don't know what the title is because I'm sure it was in a twab and I just didn't read it. Uh, possibly. I don't know. I don't remember. Or it's just going to be a surprise. Actually, I'm, I'm pulling up the TWAB now. I mean, oh, yeah. Also, Moments of Triumph started. Yes, uh, that is going all season. I'm I'm on top of that. 
I know you're almost done with it. Yeah, I'm on like 18 <laughs> out of 28. I I'm or so surprised. Out of 28. Yeah. I'm at like 15 right now. I'm I'm well on my way. Like I started with 16 already done or 15 already done. I will I will get my seal. I don't know if I'm going to actually like get all of them, but I will get my seal. I know you don't have to get like all of them, all of them. No, uh, you're able to skip one or two, I think. I want to get the one that has like the other emblem with the sparrow, the dungeon one. Yeah. Well, and and by doing that one, like essentially the requirements for that one are also the requirements for one of the other triumphs. It's just they added in the checkboxes of have you actually completed these raids and dungeons? As long as you go out and do, you know, the raids and dungeons according to. Just play the game forehead. (laughs) I mean, yes. Something, something. Orchid's being toxic again. Something, something. Shut up, five head. Um, Oh, my God. But anywho. The dawning is starting. We have no idea what the actual seal is going to be called. Nope. I'm kind of hoping for Master Baker. Ah, that sounds like Master Bader. <laughs> oh, God. Lol. I didn't even know. No. No. <laughs> How did you not know? I thought that's what you meant. You didn't mean that? I oh, didn't. Elemis. <laughs> I did Like, oh, the one time, I, I'm not pervy. Oh, <laughs> you're not pervy, he says, being pervy. <laughs> That's hilarious. <sighs> Let's just go into a Lord Network ad. You're the one who was like, I have a penis in a box last week. You're not pervy, my foot. That's why I said just, the one time. Just bake me some cookies. Lore Network ad. Okay. Lore Network ad. The Lore Network. Even in the darkest of places, the light will always find a way through. If you're like me, then perhaps you're looking for a more in-depth conversation about Destiny lore. Welcome back, Guardians. My name is Sanlab, and I craft bite-sized cinematic lore videos. So join me each week as I journey through some of Destiny's greatest mysteries. You can find me on youtube.com forward slash Stay safe and Godspeed. How is that ad? Just like some baked cookies. Oh, good. Crunchy and soft. I prefer mine moist. <laughs> moist. <laughs> like, I, I don't like a hard, crunchy cookie. Moist and soft and wet. Anyway. Brief intro mm. to the topic. Uh-huh. This is the exotic bow for the new dungeon, Spire of the Watcher. It is a random boss drop and not farmable. Sorry. 
That's what I wrote. I'm not as eloquent as Elemist. I am sorry. <laughs> but yeah, this is while the dungeon is farmable, the bow is not. It's just like um whatever the fucking glaive is called from the last one. I don't remember. Or the sword. Was it a sword? Hurt shadow. Is that what it was? I don't I I I it still hasn't dropped for me, but I haven't done a whole lot of duality. So like I've done duality like four times so i don't know yeah not a huge duality person i think, I think anyway sword. i'm gonna read this uh lore entry okay all right this is hierarchy of needs and the flavor text reads i have peered through the eye of chronos to divine humanity's path into the future Soteria, the auger mind. Vanette voice calm received. Osiris. Voice transcript running. From Anna Bray. Record follows. Osiris, exciting news. You're going to love this. Rogue AI imprisoned in a Bray cell block from now all the way back to the collapse. Guess what? The Guardian, you know the one. They bust open her cell, and she, the AI, pulls herself together and escapes while the Vex are trying to organize a defense. The kicker is, the only networked AI host nearby was an old survivalist caster bow from the colony missions. Might sound primitive, but Seraphs would link those things to orbital weapons platforms and bring wild planets to heal. Now, swap weapon platforms for paracausal power and an AI running flight trajectories on your arrows. I swear anything sentient has a chance to wind up as a weapon around that guardian. Anyway, seems that being partitioned for so long and not coming back together with all her parts has left that AI with more than a few quirks. She's borderline non-functional, won't or can't communicate, but a lot of her subconscious subroutines are still firing. Trajectory predictors still seem to work just fine. The few firing tests I ran produced explosive results. I guess terminal velocity translates across mediums. There's still another part of her rogue AI out there. Who knows what happened to the one ship that got away. Maybe it could have drifted off for centuries. A little piece of her aboard like a good luck charm. I mean, it probably didn't make it. If the Exodus programs are any indication, pretty much nothing survived the collapse. So, anyway, that's the lowdown bowdown. Great, I vocalized that. Oh, we also downloaded everything. I'll send you a copy sometime. Another thought might be good for Banshee to take a look, or after reading some of these logs, maybe it'd be really bad. Opinions? Intrinsic traits, guidance ring, precision hits and final blows build guidance ring energy. Opposing guardians grant additional energy. At full charge, hip firing creates a guidance ring. We're in this. Like, yeah. we're mentioned in this. And that, that tickled me a little. I know, that's so cool. <laughs> Especially, so, especially the whole, like, I swear, anything sentient has a chance to wind up as a weapon around that guardian. 
right? I love this. So this isn't on Ishtar yet, so I had to write this out by hand. Kudos to you. Thank you. So I had I've read this multiple times now because I had to screenshot it and then type it out. So this is the first time Alamist has heard this in my excited voice because I was just excited to read this. But this is like Anna being so excited over science, which is just me being excited over science. This was not like a stretch at all. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, hey, guess what? (laughs) Oh, my God, guys, you won't guess. But like, I love our guardian is not in a whole lot of lore, like written lore. Right. And so I love when the guardian just shows up randomly or is talked about randomly. Well, because like it's literally pointing at the player and being like, hey, remember, you're still a part of this. Because like all these characters have have wild adventures without the player. And then it's it's awesome to see them come back to the mean back to the middle so that it's it's like oh hey right this is about the player orchid just highlighted in the show notes that there is a uh, potential clue to neptune i thought okay so i didn't want to interrupt alamus while he was still talking i'm trying to be better about that no you're good um you're good. But there, so there was one part of this was when um, Anna was talking about the little part of the rogue AI that disappeared on the ship that drifted off for centuries. Um, who knows what happened to the one ship that got away? It, maybe it could have drifted off for centuries, a little piece of her aboard, like a good luck charm. I mean, it probably didn't make it. And I'm like, yeah, right. You don't mention something like that. And then it just didn't make it. Right. Like, you don't mention shit and then have it just become nothing. Well, and and it, I think it's more of the fact that the, the writers are pointing at the fact that the in-game characters don't have the knowledge that we as the players do. Yeah. We as the players know that Lightfall is coming. We're heading to Neptune. In-game... In universe, the characters don't go past the Kuiper Belt. So, like thinking that something survived on a trip to Neptune. That's true. Neptune's really far away. Like that is wild to even consider to them. Yeah, I mean, it would take forever for something to get to Neptune. Considering we could go from Mercury right to Jupiter in like the matter of minutes, but then it takes us. Damn near three days to get to Earth because the tower's full. Damn! I'm not salty. I'm not salty. But no, with with the kind of tra- teleport or transportation that we have in game or in in universe, rather, I don't think it would take as long to get to Neptune. Like it would still take longer than normal than like you know heading from Mercury to the Dreadnought. Okay, so if we wanted to think about this logically, like in realsies amounts of time, which isn't destiny amount of time, this is realsies amount of time. The only thing that's ever visited Neptune, which is something of ours, is Voyager 2. I used to teach astronomy. Did you guys know that? Maybe you did. 
So Voyager 2 is the only thing that's ever actually went to Neptune. And that took 12 years to get to Neptune. 12 years. That's insane. But Voyager 2 also only goes 19 kilometers a second, which is about uh, 42,000 miles an hour. Pshaw. I know. It's so <laughs> slow. That's bullshit. That's so slow. But yeah. So um, that was in like 1989 is when it actually got there. Marcus Wren has sparrows that go faster than that. I know. <laughs> I know. But um, it's apparently like there's no future like exploration of Neptune like actually planned. I think the Chinese are going to go there eventually. There's supposed to be a Chinese mission planned to Neptune, but everyone's like, Neptune sucks. No one's going there. Stop asking about it. <laughs> there's nothing in Neptune. <laughs> Meh. But yeah, so Voyager 2 is the only thing that's ever been in Neptune. Neptune is too far away. Voyager 2 has been everywhere. Voyager 2 is not even in our solar system anymore, if you wanted to know. Well, and, and to put that into perspective, like, how long did it take for Voyager 2 to get to Mars and Jupiter? Voyager 2 was launched in 1977. The original reason, it was originally supposed to visit um, the Jovian system, which is Jupiter, and that was its original purpose, and that was 1979. And then it was supposed to reach uh, Saturn after that in 1981, and then Uranus in 1986, and then uh, Neptune in 1989, ish. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like, okay. It's gone like I think it's gone 132 AU as of November seventh. Jeez. Yeah. And AU is one astronomical unit is the distance between the sun and the Earth. Yep. So astronomical unit, that's how we measure things. So 132 times the distance between the sun and the earth is how far it's traveled since 1977. Because it's still going because it's like, fuck you guys, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> it's just going. It's just like, meh, look at me go. Good old JPL making stuff that just lasts and lasts and lasts. Now, can they make phones? <laughs> JPL? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, um, they're good people at JPL. Pretty nice. The one thing I wanted to point out. Uh-huh. So, at the very beginning, the uh, the flavor text, mm -hmm. it's spoken by Soteria, the auger mind. Mm -hmm. So, Soteria is actually a Greek goddess or spirit of safety and deliverance from harm. And an auger... Uh, if it's used as a verb, it's a portend, a good or bad outcome. Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's a noun, it's a religious official who observed natural signs. Interesting. So it's someone who like foresees something or predicts it. Yes. It sees what is, is coming up. Like, it looks for the patterns and then tries to keep everybody safe. So, I have peered through the eye of Kronos to divine humanity's path into the future. So, they're literally seeing into the future. So, the auger mind makes sense. 
if it's someone who can see into the future because you're predicting it. Yep. Hmm. And, and like it's it's an AI. Yeah. So the AI was created to see into the future. That's creepy. I mean, think about it. If you're given enough points of data, do you think an AI could reasonably predict not actually predict the future, but reasonably predict events. I mean, we have like weather. We have machine learning that can predict weather. If you put in enough data, that's essentially what it does. It's actively used. That's what your phone does. It, right. That That's what the seven day forecast is. Yeah. Well, and, and here's a note for our, our listeners. You can only reasonably predict the next 24 hours worth of weather Anything after that is guesswork based off of models, based off of the data that's actually provided. And the further away from the present that you get, the more vague those models are. Mm -hmm. If you notice, today it's like, oh yeah, it's going to be snowing, the wind is going to hit this much, like there's going to be this many, you know, inches of snow, it's going to get this cold, and with the wind it's going to feel this cold. Tomorrow, there's less information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's going to be like, yeah, it's going to be this cold and it, it's going to rain. The day after that, it's going to be like, it's going to be cold. It's going to rain. Yeah. And it's going to be vague predictions the further out you get. Mm-hmm. I learned that while being an IT auditor. <laughs> yeah. And that was because the other team that, that was in my department audited weather satellites it was a cool gig that's really cool that's really interesting actually (laughs) that's awesome so like people are always you know telling that the the weather of like oh yeah it's gonna be great this weekend and i'm sitting there going but is it really (laughs) you don't know yeah that's really cool so hierarchy of needs also has a background so I'm sure like everyone's kind of talked about this in high school, at least. I know I did this in high school. For me, it was my master's program. Right. So um, it comes from Maslow's paper titled A Theory of Human Motivation in the journal Psychological Review in 1943, written by Abraham Maslow. So it's his theory of uh, the hierarchy of needs. And it proposed that humans have base needs beginning with like the more physiological needs, then they increase to like safety. And then from there to more emotional needs, like the need for belonging, love, sense of esteem, cognitive needs. And finally, those of like aesthetic needs, self-actualization. And then at the top, like transcendence, stuff like that. Um, It's usually split between deficiency needs and growth needs. So needs of things that you lack in things that like make you better i think i think i think that's what it means um and then the two key themes with the theory being like individualism and then the prioritization of your needs people usually represent it as a pyramid if you've seen it in books before and with like the actual base need that's why they call it a base need because like your base needs like it's literally a base need like food water shelter some people include like healthcare, stuff like that. It's literally like your base need because it's the base of this pyramid. Siri, why are you talking to me? I didn't even invite you into this conversation. <laughs> Dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
but he actually never drew it as a pyramid. Lol. <laughs> Just everyone else did. Oh, no. Um, it's really popular in like education and healthcare and social work. But the idea is that you have to satisfy one before you can move on to like the next level of this pyramid or the next level in this hierarchy. Um, but there's a lot of overlap between them. So there's like it, it's highly contested. And so a lot of people think it's like highly bullshit, bullshittery kind of. And so it's like it's very much like a not one size fits all thing. He did not study neurodivergent people at all. And um, he only studied like the healthiest 1% of the college student population and refused to study anybody who is like neurodivergent or anything like that because he had um, very negative thoughts on neurodivergent people, which I'm not ever going to repeat ever because they're very bad. Yeah. So I read them to Elamist earlier and he's like, oof. So. Yeah, I'm not going to say those. They really offended me. <laughs> but, like, that also brings into question of, like, the actual study itself. For me, it does. Yeah. Because it, he only studied 1% of the, the population he had access to. He studied the healthiest 1%. Right. Not even just the one. He cherry-picked all of the people. Like, when you can... Instead of studying all of them, he, what he did wasn't a scientific study. What he did was cherry picks who he wanted and then decided he's like, that's not how you do a study. Like you, when you do a study, you have like you do blind studies. What he did was just like whatever the fuck he wanted and then called it a study like that's bullshit. That's not how you do a study. I am a scientist. Fucking come at me, Maslow. I will raise you from the grave and I will kick you in the balls. Like, don't. Don't even. That's not even a study. Psychology is bullshit, okay? Like, it's a now, fucking bullshit. Now, the thing to remember is that this was <clears throat> done in the 1940s. Everything in the 40s is bullshit, okay? <laughs> Back when, like, people, like... You and myself would probably be in in some kind of institution and, you know. <laughs> some of my ancestors were in some sort of camp. So, yeah, man, we're not going to go there. Um, so, yeah, we're it's mm, everything. I don't like the hierarchy of needs at all. I don't like it. I appreciate that a lot of people use it as a starting point for that. They are like, we need to fulfill these things for people that don't have what we have. I appreciate the social workers are like, look, we have us like meeting you and I like we have shelter, we have food and these other people don't have that. And so we need to provide for them because they don't have the base needs. And so we need to provide for them. And then once they have that, we need to provide education. We need to provide safety. We need to provide all these other things. We need to provide clothing. We need to provide love and care and support because they don't have those needs. And we need them to have those things to be like full human beings. And like, I appreciate what they're trying to do. But going off of like Maslow's paper is horseshit. Like, I think there are better studies out there that they can use that doesn't include using this guy absolutely 
I think there are, you could probably find newer studies. I don't like him. Also, it's important to remember that this pyramid is from a U.S. perspective and does not fit other cultures because other cultures, this doesn't, this doesn't work for other cultures at all. Because it's very individualistic. It is super individualistic. If this doesn't work for you, I mean, like he has like sex and like base needs and there's like children don't need that. Asexual people don't fucking need that. I, I don't understand. So and and see, he doesn't take anything into account at all. Like, right. You could you could get me going on this fucking ass hat all day. So and see the way I had had learned it um, in my master's program, it, it was essentially a basic template. Um, it's going to be different for everybody. It's not a one size fits all. I'm just glad he's not around anymore. I'd send him a really nasty email just because it would make me feel better about myself or something. Well, if he was still around, he'd probably look at the, the email and go, what, what the hell is this newfangled box telling me? I don't know. I would tell him his needs suck. <laughs> I don't know. He probably just like needs to go touch some fucking grass. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe go needs to touch a palm tree because that's grass. Anyway, do you want to tell me your favorite <laughs> bow? Tiku's divination. Oh, good one. It's the best overload bow. Oh my god. Is it the best overload bow? You literally hip fire it and you just keep hip firing it. You know, I keep forgetting Tiku's divination exists, but it has a really great new ornament this season that has a little clock on it and it's so beautiful. <laughs> I love the new ornament this season. It's so pretty. Uh, the the only other bow that I absolutely adore is um, Trinity Ghoul, and the the catalyst on it makes it so good. I love Trinity Ghoul. That's the one I've been using for Overload, and that's fair. Like they're both very good. Uh, what about you? Shoutouts. Um. My favorite bow is the Vow, which is the Crimson Days bow. <laughs> I will marry them all. Yeah, that one has I will always remember that. And um, that one has the flavor text of Till Death Do Us Part from Lord Shax. And that was the one where he where Shax does say today, he says, I will marry them all. It's beautiful. Is it a compound bow? Um, nah, yes, no, it's not. It's a recurve. Okay. Yeah. But he says... Because, like, I'm, I'm trying to remember back to the Torito Dawning Delights entry. Because he was talking about getting a bow for a regal woman that he fancied. Um. And I'm wondering, like, if he bought or if, if he got the bow... She died, so he just kind of held on to it. And then um, this was him deciding to finally let go. So he had Crimson Days and then gave it to us. Mm -hmm. It's very funny because this lore entry, this is why I love the bow so much. Also because like I have such fond memories of Crimson Days. But um, this is the one where Shax releases doves into the city <laughs> and doves have not been seen in the city in like a very long time and everybody freaked 
and everyone freaks out and someone screams and there's like panic and the like the end of it is like doves have not been seen in the last city for a long time and it's like it's not how you think the lore entry is going to go and it's seriously one of my favorite lore entries because it's just so ridiculous and so funny and our site is in this lore entry and our site's very funny you don't ever really hear our site talk at all in any lore our site talks a lot in this yeah our site is always the, the silent partner in the background. Yeah, but our site talks in this. Yeah. So it's funny and it's great and I love it. So this is a great bow. And it's because of the lore on it. That's why I like it. Absolutely. <laughs> and this is the part of the episode we like to give special thanks. The audio for this episode was produced by Rindle Zivas. You can find him on Twitter at Rindle Zivas. The artwork and music in this episode are copyright Bungie. We're able to use it under their fair use policy because they love their content creators. If you'd like to dive in Destiny lore on your own, visit ishtar-collective.net. They're the resource we normally use to make our show notes. Thank you, Baxter. Thank you, Baxter. You're so nice. And final reminders. You can find us on Twitter at guardians underscore lore, at heyitsorchid, or at i underscore am underscore elemist. You can email us at guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. You can find us on Instagram at guardians of lore, all one word. You can leave us a five star review wherever you find the podcast. And you know what? Why don't you just jump into our Discord? The invite's in the episode description, but if you want to type it out, it's discord.gg slash lorehub. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit ko-fi.com slash guardians underscore lore. Every little bit helps, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Words are hard tonight. What can I say? They are. Yeah. I'm choking on myself because I've been so sick this weekend. I'm trying to keep muting myself. (laughs) Poor Rindle. I I need to redo my my mute macro. I might have to reread my thing and re-record it. Okay. Yeah. Well, say goodnight, Orchid. <gasps> goodnight, Orchid. Yes! God damn it. <laughs> I'm infecting people. Uh, I'm already infected. Stop like double infecting me. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Good night. Otters. Are wet. Oh my god. It woo. <laughs> Question mark? No. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.